Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Today's guest is a man whose reputation truly precedes him in the best of ways. He is an absolute force in the entrepreneurial world, having truly revolutionized areas pertaining to fitness, podcasting, and coaching, to name but a few. He holds a Bachelor's of Science from the University of Memphis, is a certified personal trainer, CrossFit trainer, and performance coach, is the CEO of the Shrugger Collective, the owner of The Bloodsoe Show, and last but definitely not least, is the owner and CEO of The Strong Coach, a company dedicated to guiding coaches to their greatness. Please help me in giving a very warm welcome to the one and the only Mike Bloodsoe. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? I've got I've got one thing to change about that bio. I'm no longer the CEO of Shrug Collective. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I first wrote this uh, intro, it was back in uh, September, which I'm not sure if you were then either, but I lost your whole interview in a notebook that is on some plane in Mexico somewhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I actually hadn't taken a look at that intro until today, and I skimmed it over. I was like, eh, seems accurate, you know. But uh, hey, we only got one thing off. That's a good uh, ratio. Good enough. Good <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, we're overdue for this, man. Like, I've been so excited to do this. And uh, with my crazy traveling, and I know you've been busy, uh, it's taken a while to get me to hit you up. And I was really excited to get it scheduled out. And I'm so excited to have you on the show and for the epic conversation we're about to have. And why don't we begin by having you share some of the highlights of your journey, since I know it's quite a long one, that you credit for aiding you in ending up where you are today. Uh, you know what? The more I talk about my journey and the more I reflect on my journey, the more I realize that it goes way far back. And uh, I remember I had this really deep realization. I was going to go speak at this event in Florida. I got invited to speak at a, a room full of personal trainers and boot camp people and all that. And there was about 150 people in the room. And My flight got messed up and I ended up getting there a day late and not on good sleep. And I was, I had like a few hours to prepare. And I went from being one of the speakers that was going to be in the middle of the conference to the closing speaker. Mm. And which was a blessing. And I was so tired. And I go, how do I, you know what? I've got a little bit of uh, LSD with me. (laughs) And I, I, um, and I had been on the plane. Uh, I had two days of travel, and on the plane, I was journaling out what my talk was going to be. And I was going back to, you know, what ha- what has created uh, who I am today. And I was like, oh, I'll start like five years ago, is where my mind was at. And I took like, uh, you know, probably like 30, 40, I'd say like 40 mics of LSD, like a, a third of a dose. And I laid down in my hotel bed. And for two hours before my talk, I put a blindfold on and earplugs in and I journeyed for two hours. And I realized during that experience that for me to appropriately describe who I am today, I could go really far back, but I ended up going back to my father's childhood Mm. and really seeing what created that man and how that man uh, then informed me 
on who I get to be. And so that journey uh, is really, really beautiful. And my dad was definitely rebellious by nature. And because of that, you know, I, when I talk to entrepreneurs and they start learning about my childhood, they go, wow, you really have an unfair advantage over a lot of people. And one of the reasons is because I never went to school. I, uh, I was homeschooled. And as I learned more about systems, as I more learned more about how the mind works, I realized, and, and as I work with more clients, I realized that the amount of programming that people receive in public and private schools, which basically mimic public schools uh, because there's those standards, I didn't have to deprogram a lot of things. I truly had the ability to create the own vision for my own life, which most people have no practice in. I had to create strategies for success from a, a, a very young age. I didn't have you know, someone else's strategy, which is show up at this time, stand in line, sit at a desk. I created my own priorities throughout my youth. These are three things that people are never taught and are a lot of times when they get out of college or maybe they go straight into the workforce, they immediately go from living their life by someone else's vision because the vision informs the strategy and the strategy informs the priority. People have no practice in that. And when I look back, I go, why is holding the own, my own vision for my life and set, creating a strategy in order to achieve that why does that seem so easy to me compared to other people? And I realize, oh, when people start working with me, they, for the first time, I'm asking them to create their own vision. I'm asking for the first time, we are opening up the possibilities for what can happen. And then we create a strategy for it, which is also new for them. And then sticking to that strategy can be very, very difficult because people question their own vision. Mm. So when I look at my own journey, that was that really set the stage. The way that I was raised set the stage for success. And as I, I joined the Navy when I was 19, and I realized when I got there that I was different. It was a difficult time for me. Mm. Four and a half years in the Navy, I did really well. I got in trouble a couple times, <laughs> like bad enough trouble to to have to go see the captain and and uh, potentially lose my rank and things like that. Wow. But at the same time, I was so good at what they what I do that they basically just gave me a verbal reprimand and sent me on my way. Hmm. So I realized there that this wasn't the right fit for me. I want to create my own life. And I get out of uh, school. Uh, before I get out of school, I see that there's a there's this CrossFit thing going on. I was a weightlifter at the time. There was this CrossFit thing going on, and I discovered in 06 and 07, I'm going, well, I need to go. These CrossFitters suck at weightlifting. I'm really <laughs> good at it. I've been learning it from one of the best in the world. I can bring the weightlifting training to the CrossFit gym. I go looking around. There's no CrossFit gyms in all of Tennessee where I was living at the time. And I sat there and complained about it for a couple of weeks. And then I go, oh, that means I'm supposed to open one, even though I didn't want to be a business owner because my dad was a business owner and I saw how hard that was. And so I, I do it anyway. And I, I didn't pay attention to business. 
I suffered uh, tremendously for ignoring that aspect of things. I suffered so much. You know, I was living in my own gym because I couldn't afford to pay rent on the gym building and rent for a home. Uh, I was living at the gym. I was poor. I was broke. And I broke down and decided, oh, I'll learn business. And at the same time that I decided I would learn business, uh, my dad passed away. He, uh, he committed suicide. Mm. And it was a surprising call and, you know, um, in the middle of the night on an early Sunday morning. And that was a very traumatic time for me. And at the same time, it was very uh, freeing. I, for the first time, I didn't realize how much I was living my life to impress my dad and do things the way he would do them. That was a really pivotal moment for me where as I decided to take on and learn business, my dad also passed away. Mm. And I realized that there were so many things I was avoiding getting good at because my dad wasn't good at it. And I didn't want to, you know, I could tell that growing up, he had judgments around marketing. He had judgments around money. He had judgments around all these things. And I got to let those things go and adopt uh, new beliefs around these things. And it, it, created an experience where I really got to take those things on. And so that was a really big pivotal moment for me. Um, Years later, another pivotal moment for me was the same thing happened. Barbell Shrugged. I started a podcast in January 2012 that that ended up being the number one ranked podcast in fitness and nutrition on iTunes. Like you go to iTunes, we were always in the top 10 but we had the, the most five-star ratings. We had the most positive comments and we just crushed it. And uh, so many people said, hey, this was the first podcast I ever listened to or I started my podcast because of you. And it was the same thing happened was I was looking at the podcast space and I go, no one's talking about strength and conditioning in a way that I would talk about it. And I was thinking, man, someone should really start a podcast about strength and conditioning that would be digestible for CrossFitters. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to do it again. So I started that show and I was trying to figure out how to make that show make money. And I, I go to this business conference, $7,000, spent every penny I had on it. And I had to consolidate accounts and get credit card, you know, that <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. And I go to that conference and I learn some things. I go, oh, this is exactly how you make money online. So I go home and I implement it. But uh, on the back end of that, I also did mushrooms for the first time in 2013. Mm. So I go to the conference. There's some psychedelic art there. Uh, by the end of the conference, I realized the guy putting it on was incredibly successful and was doing psychedelics and was a psychedelic fan. And so I go home. I go, all right, well, I'm going to try these mushrooms out. Plus, I had heard Tim Ferriss on Joe Rogan talk about you know his experiences. Like, okay, if Tim Ferriss does it, and this other guy who I really look up to, the people I look up to in business, they're the one they're doing it. So yeah, I'll give it a shot. And on that day, I had a groundbreaking experience. I I realized that I was responsible for my life, and that I was I was the one that had created everything that was in my in my way. And I also learned how to listen to people. I realized that I wasn't listening and being empathetic and, and really listening to understand others. I was just waiting for my time, my turn to talk. And I had intellectually been introduced to those concepts through books and whatnot, but it didn't really land until I had an experience uh, with mushrooms. 
from there, I, uh, I was able to sell my gym and I started uh, really focusing in on the business. And we built the company up to where we were doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in revenue. Hmm. And this was, we were achieving things that I never thought of myself as doing. I thought that if I was ever going to make a lot of money, it was going to be because I climbed some, you know, if you look at my, my teen years when I was a kid, it's like, oh, if you're going to make a lot of money, climb the corporate ladder and maybe you would invest in some real estate. You know, these are the ideas that I had then. And as I got, as I was going through this process, I go, I never thought that I would be able to, because when I started a gym, I wasn't thinking about being rich. No one starts a gym because they want to be rich. (laughs) I started the podcast and all of a sudden I started experiencing a level of success that I didn't have big goals. I was, I was adopting some other people's big goals and I ended up making so much money. I didn't even know how to manage it. I didn't know, like there were so many beliefs that were still embedded in me around money that I really didn't know how to do that well. So I would say entrepreneurship has been one of the biggest spiritual uh, growth factors for me in my life because it really shows me. It's a big reflection of of my own beliefs and the way I approach life and the way I communicate. And if something is not working, if I'm not being effective, the business won't be effective as well. Hmm. So it gets very loud. It's a it's a <laughs> business is a loudspeaker for yeah. how I'm fucking shit up. And uh yeah, so I, that's a that's a big overview of I mean, there's way other, a lot of other things that have happened that, that have created pivots in my life. But I would say big picture, I think those are the ones that listeners can hear and go, wow, uh, maybe I'll listen to this guy. He's done some shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was amazing getting to uh, traverse that journey with you and to hear a lot of aspects of your upbringing and your journey that I had yet to hear. You know, it's funny, I wrote quite a few notes and... uh you know, the number one thing I'll touch on is being homeschooled. Yeah, it's like you had less cars in your traffic jam, right? Because to me, what school did was really just pile a bunch of random cars that I didn't know if I ever wanted or not into a random traffic jam. And they were like, well, figure it out. Go into college now, you know? And so it definitely makes sense to me about having that more space in your frame of reference to be able to do with what you want, right? And in regards to the LSD experience, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I've had a couple different instances where I've uh, taken LSD and then forgotten that I had something to do, <laughs> right? And uh, and magically, it always works out. You know, I couldn't say that about, say, uh, mushrooms. I mean, I imagine it probably, you know, I'd, I'd get it to happen, but who knows what state of mind I'd be in. But LSD, there's really something there. And uh, it speaks to uh, a lot of what we'll go over probably in the next podcast we do about uh, microdosing and Silicon Valley and all that stuff, uh, which is really really cool. And so I loved hearing that aspect of your journey, man. That was really beautiful. And really what school taught me was like how to be a factory worker, right? Like that's really like, think about it. We're, we're answering to bells for God's sakes, right? Like they're literally teaching us how to be factory workers there. And so the fact that you didn't have that experience really leads to a lot about how you've become such a leader in your circle and in life in general, you know, really they teach you what to learn, not how to learn. And that I think is one of the biggest mistakes that the typical or the the common educational system has, right? Is that really if like all of these things, I mean, 
to put it this way, they teach us the Pythagorean theorem, but not about taxes, right? And it's like, oh, the Pythagorean theorem will come in real handy this Pythagorean theorem season, you know? It's like, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Well, they don't want you to know too much about taxes. Exactly. Because then you might start asking questions. Yeah, yeah, and figuring (laughs) out ways to get around them, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, don't worry, you'll get a job and your employer will, it'll just be taken out for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there was a time where there was very few people that owned the businesses. You know, there was a lot of small business, but when when there was a lot of small business and, you know, there was the butcher and there was the local whatever, all those yeah. things, yeah. the shoemaker, all that, mm-hmm. they didn't pay taxes, you mm-hmm. know, and not in the United States. Yeah. Uh, the income tax is like 100 years old. Yeah. It's not, it hasn't been around that long. <laughs> and, uh, Anyways, we can go down that rabbit hole if you want, but I don't know. I, you know, on, honestly, uh, I love that rabbit hole uh, because I feel as though a lot of people that listen to this podcast are either business owners or aspiring business owners. And mm-hmm. so I'd actually like to jump into that for a little bit and sure. hear what you have to say about that subject, because I feel as though um, there are two types of people in the world, right? I mean, there's many different types, but when it comes to business, there are the people that are like, damn it, not taking personal responsibility. This sucks. I hate taxes. You know, And then there are people that go, okay, how do I work with this and make it work for me, right? And so seeing as how I believe you are the latter there, I'd love to hear what you've been able to do to uh, get around these things that otherwise are, you know, quote unquote blocks for most people where they just sit there and don't take personal responsibility for it. And yeah, there's so many things. It's, it's such a loaded conversation. So first off, one of the things that's helped me with taxes, uh, I wouldn't say it's helped me. <laughs> it, it may have made it a little more challenging, but it, it is being in touch more with reality is that, you know, uh, a third of my income goes to the federal government. Mm. And the reality is, is what if they took a hundred percent? Right? Yes. What if they, what if they took a hundred percent? What would, what would you call someone who's a hundred percent of their labor was owned by somebody else? A slave. A slave. Yeah. So what about 90%? <laughs> <laughs> I'd still I'd still say a slave. 70%? Still a slave. Yeah. 50%? Half a slave? 33%? Mm, a third of a slave. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I think it's interesting just to look at our relationship to government uh in this in this way and that uh it the taxes are not voluntary. Mm. They are forced. Mm-hmm. So, if we want to look at our relationship to authority, uh, nowhere in nature, nowhere has God allocated that some men have authority over others, right? Mm-hmm. So any authority that you're experiencing is because you have given someone else your authority, right? Accurate. So I don't recognize the government as authority. So, because I am in touch with my own spiritual, you know, who I am, like the laws of nature are the authority, you know, cause and effect, polarity, you know, all these things that are, you know, the list of uh, hermetic principles, that's, that's the authority. You cannot break those laws because if you do break those laws, you incur karma and Mm -hmm. there is no man that is a police officer that's going to come along and enforce karma. Nature does that. That's the authority, right? So that's the authority outside of ourselves. And then we have our own personal authority, who we are and then what we get to take responsible 
must be responsibility for our life. So when I look at taxes, I go, look, let's get real. Let's call it what it really is. You know, uh, it's theft, it's slavery, it's your worst business partner, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to start a business <laughs> and the government comes in and says, well, we're going to take 33% of your, your uh, or whatever it is, whatever yeah. tax bracket you're in. We're going to take a 30 of uh, your income. Like the only other person you give 30 or like profits to would be a fucking business partner, right? Yep. And they don't really contribute much to your business, right? And so a lot of people may have some arguments about that. But uh, I would also bring to your attention that uh, the government doesn't actually create any of those things. It's usually an entrepreneur. And then they come and you know, take credit for it later. Yeah. So it's a really great way to uh, convince people that you're necessary. So uh, the... It's groupthink too, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's been here so long that not many people question it, you know, they just consider it a given and that's it. You know, they don't think more. Yeah, because it. it's, you're inside that box. Yeah. The same thing happens in school. It's a very narrow educational issue, mm-hmm. right? And so you can get mad about it. You can get mad about it. You can say, man, I fucking hate being a slave. I hate that, you know, January through April is pretty much, it's funny that April 15 is like the tax day because that's pretty much all the work you did up until that day. They own that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and the tax laws are very complex and it's the most complex thing I do in my business is taxes and I have to hire someone and spend thousands of dollars a year to make sure that it gets squared away. But I think it's good for people to be present to that. That is actually what's happening, right? There's not a perspective. This is not a belief. This is, this is the reality of what is. You can reject it if you want. But I find that in order to make things work and work well, and you want to be successful, because I'm talking about success here, mm-hmm. is being uh, in touch with reality. And that's the reality. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I go, okay. All right, there's mobsters that are going to put a gun in my face or put me in a cage if I, if I don't give them a percentage of my money. And uh, oh, fine. Okay, so I'll just give it to them, mm-hmm. right? And then going, okay, what are these rules that they've set up? And they're going to try to incentivize me to spend money or not spend money on certain things. Like they're directing the show in a lot of ways. So, which makes me excited because now I, like, I'm like, oh, okay. I got an adversary in a way. Right. But not an adversary in which I blame them for my position. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be a villain and making yourself a victim. Yep. So we're not the best thing to do in this situation is to take responsibility for everything that you can in your in your world and go, look, I'm going to pay off these mobsters to leave me alone, basically. <laughs> to give you so, freedom. And everybody has to do it. Yeah. Right. Everybody's doing it. So best thing to do is just figure it out. And the the more on point you can be with your taxes, the less likely they're going to mess with you. Yeah. So just do it. (laughs) Just just get it done. The price of admission. (laughs) It's the price of admission and and you get to, right? Like we we could use language around this. And so I have to pay taxes Mm -hmm. or I need to pay taxes Mm -hmm. or I should have paid taxes. It's like, okay, I get to pay taxes. Get excited about it. All right. Pay them. And then move on. You want to make sure that your attention is on what's creating value in the world. 
And the more time that you suffer around this tax conversation, the less time you get to dedicate to bringing value to others and value to yourself. So I think it's good to acknowledge that. And then also when you're, you know, if you vote or if you're in your conversations with other people, if you have employees, it's good to educate them because what's going to require for us to get out of the, the dark ages of oppression is going to be education. Mm. People have to learn that they're being oppressed in the first place and then before they can do anything about it. And for most people, they may think that I'm being a little dramatic. You know, the U.S. has some of the craziest tax laws in the world. You know, you it's uh, like one of three countries that if you leave the country, you still have to pay that country's tax. Uh, <laughs> wow. Every other country you leave, you don't have to. Yeah. So uh, and, and the tax rate is pretty high. And we are riding on the momentum that was created from a time when when there was true capitalism, you know, capitalism is great. It's the, you know, people aren't escaping from Cuba to flee to America because it's communist or yeah. because it's socialist. They're fleeing here because there's a their capitalism created a lot of wealth for people who would even be considered poor in the United States. It's all relative, right? Mm -hmm. You take our poorest and you compare them to somebody in Africa and you go, they're wealthy. They got air conditioning and a flat screen TV, <laughs> yeah. you know, and an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, and, there's, uh, there's levels to this shit, you know. There's and, uh, levels to yeah. this shit. Yeah. So yeah, that's another thing I want people to get really present to is to really realize that the capitalist system is in, uh, is great. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's something to be leveraged. True capitalism. Yeah. What we're experiencing in the United States right now is not true capitalism. Uh, it's socialism. Mm -hmm. And if people, oh, there's a warning to people is if you keep asking for more socialism, it's not going to be pretty. Yep. And the people who a lot of times they reference other countries so like, oh, the, the Swedes are, are, are uh, socialists and they're doing so well. It's like they're actually not as socialist as the United States right now. The, the country is doing re really well. They have a flat tax rate. Mm. The flat tax sales tax rate, like 25%. And they don't have nearly as many programs as we have. So there's a, it's an interesting little thing there. So that, that's my spiel on taxes, capitalism. I love that, man. And yeah. I'm really glad you brought up that thing about Sweden because, you know, uh, I feel like that's comparing apples to oranges a lot of the time. And that's, I, that's I feel, part of the bigger uh, perspective here that I see or the bigger, like, aha moment I had, which is really in something I'd love to get into you uh, with about, you know, false news, right, and fake news and all these things that are really meant, as I see it, to keep us uh, or to keep most people sympathetic, a very high alert, unable to critical think and unable to make uh, wise decisions, right? Which therefore mm -hmm. keeps them in more of this oppression that you were talking about, more into the victim mentality like we discussed briefly. And so I'd love to hear your take on what is going on right now with regards to the world, but specifically America with so much fake news and so much information, so much analysis paralysis, right, that leaves people thinking things like, well, the Swedes are doing so great with socialism, right? And they truly believe that because of what they've seen somewhere or heard through someone else seeing something, yet those facts are not true, right? So what do you have to say about all of that going on right now with regards to where you see it going, uh, maybe what you see the 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 challenge is right now and uh, how we got here. Who 
Ooh, man, you don't ask easy questions. Like, <laughs> oh man. All right. So, and this is, these are things I've thought very deeply about. So first off, there's a, there's a really good book called influence by Robert Cialdini. And have you read it? Mm -mm, mm -mm. No. Okay. I'm writing so it down Robert now, yeah, Robert Cialdini is uh, a professor and he studies psychology and marketing. He wrote this book called Influence and every marketer on the planet, and I bet most politicians have read this book. Um, he actually came out with a one recently called Presuasion. He's only had two, hmm. but Influence had such a big impact on the world that like he doesn't need to just keep out popping more books. So, um <laughs> One of the concepts in the book he talks about, uh, and this is all very well researched, so this is an anecdotal marketing research. This is uh, like peer-reviewed research done in university where they've looked at many different ways this is used, is if, uh, if an individual, so this, this is referring to buying decisions. This could also refer to voting decisions. This could, uh, any type of decision a person is making. And so there's too much information in the world for us to seek understanding around each topic, right? And so we see this, especially if you're in the health and fitness world, there is an unlimited amount of information out there about how to be healthy. And yet people still struggle and they go to a doctor when they have a health problem. Sick care. Most people don't. Yeah. Mo most people sick care. Yeah. yeah. Most people don't, they don't really make changes until they're uncomfortable, right? They're, they're, there's a bit of fear involved before a change is made. So what ends up happening is people are confused about their health, right? They're, they've got a ton of different information they're, and there's reasons why that is, you know, there's just, we have more opportunity now in 2021 to be the healthiest you could possibly be. You also have just as much opportunity to be unhealthy and it's just easier to be unhealthy. So that's where most people go. And it's easy to not know shit about health, right? Or be confused about it, especially if the way that you get information is from headlines. You know, one week, one year eggs and bacon are bad. The next year eggs are good. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah, changing so, every day it seems. <laughs> the, it is. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. concept the concept in this book that he goes over is that when people have too much there's a point in which there's too much information to comprehend and you know what they do is they immediately go to whoever they perceive the credible authority to be mm. so they pick one authority and they just start doing whatever they tell them to do mm. so this happens when someone goes to the doctor there's something wrong they go to the doctor and we've all seen this we've had a family member go to the doctor and it's like you agree to do what why are you doing that? Did you get a second opinion? And, you know, you know, have you done research on your own illness? And people don't. They're, they're not doing research, not true research, mm -hmm. research, because what they do is they hit this point in which their mind goes, I can't do this. They give up and then they give up to authority mm -hmm. or perceived authority. Right. The lab coat. Yeah. In, in, the, <laughs> in the case of doctors. And so <clears throat> what we're witnessing is there is such an overload of information that people are, and they've been trained since they were in school because the authority was their parents. They went to school, school teacher in school, they teach you the police or the authority and so on and so forth. And the next thing you know, 
you have an authoritarian authoritarian run life called freedom. And so there's an, the illusion of freedom is running people's lives. You know, oh, you can take the Pfizer or the Moderna or the Johnson and Johnson vaccines. You are free to mm -hmm. choose. Uh, so <laughs> the love it. So what? That's what's happening is people are scared. So anytime fear is introduced, the amount of information they can process goes down. Mm-hmm. And so what we what we have is we have this grand authority that has positioned itself in the world as the US government. We'll talk about the US specifically. People people actually believe it's the authority. And the government also always gains more authority when people uh have a lack of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a spiritual experience or you have a spiritual connection and you're connected to that part of yourself, you you cannot you you have to surrender to authority and in order to surrender to authority you you recognize what the authority is and you have not surrendered to that authority yeah. right but in that if you have a spiritual practice your spiritual practice is to get in touch with the authority which is those natural laws yes and yourself and now you know Oh, if I do this, then this will happen. Mm -hmm. And this is where like the manifestation stuff comes in. People are like, oh, so it's because the people who can manifest are really in touch with cause and effect. Mm -hmm. I move this one little piece just a little bit right here, and it might just be a thought. I just move this one little thought a little bit this direction, boom, things start happening. I change my language. You know, I do this. I change my story. I take ownership. Things change. Yeah. Yeah. Things change. It seems like magic. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> because so, we've never been taught the real nature of reality. You know, many of us. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reality is magic and illusion <laughs> is reality. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's like how most people are living their lives. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening here? Yeah. So, yeah, we have a lot of people that are just giving in. Like before the, the COVID uh, 19 uh, uh, psyops uh, project, it was. <laughs> People were compliant because they were comfortable, mm -hmm. right? It's like, why would – I'm just going to keep – like, it's working. You know, I got the job. I'm able to afford my iPhone. I can afford this house. Like, I'm slightly uncomfortable. It's not exactly what I want. Yeah, there's that deep thing in my gut telling me to do something different. But you know what? Fuck it. Like I can, I can drown it out with, uh, you know, uh, a beer and some fucking football. Yeah, I can you know? buy enough stuff to rent my happiness. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, but that ran out. Hmm. The the U.S. government's in massive debt. The interest rates have been low for too long. Uh, there's the rise of cryptocurrency, which denationalizes currency for the first time in hundreds of years which is very scary. By the way, uh, national governments aren't that old. Mm. Like, true national governments that, that practice authority are only about as old as uh, the paper uh, <laughs> note, which is about 350 years old. Yeah. So prior to that, there was the church and there was, there was other forms of authority. Yeah, there were like, there weren't really countries, like nation, nation states. You know, there were kingdoms and there was empires. And, but it was not, regulated the way it is now. So 
man, where was I going with all this? <laughs> you have so many like side. I, I was know. like, oh, I got to explain this. If it, this uh, is going to make sense. It was about uh, COVID and how things were comfortable mm. for a while up until they weren't because people could rent their happiness. And now all of a sudden, like things are falling apart, quote unquote, because of cryptocurrency, right. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The average person doesn't recognize that behind the scenes that things are crumbling mm. and uh, tech, big tech is taking over government. Um, big tech has taken over government. It's yeah. uh, it, it's uh, the only uh, the average person. Their perspective is that government is authority uh, and is in control, but their the puppet master is big tech at this point. And what we're witnessing is there's a big struggle between the tech companies and who's going to own us. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to own the data around vaccine passports? Who's going to own the data? Right now, the government owns your data. They, they gave you, they, uh, you were born and they handed you a social security number. And uh, as soon as you start working, you start giving them money. Mm-hmm. So the tech companies want to own you by, by attaching likely some type of NFT, non fungible token, uh, crypto, uh, like a, a blockchain using blockchain technology to track and reward behavior and punish behavior based on whether you're doing what you're supposed to do or not. Black that's mirror stuff. Yeah, black mirror yeah, stuff in that, real life. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm saying that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. And for a long time, I was, I played naive. And I was like, no, nah, everyone's just doing the best they can do. Da, da, da. And, then, and then through a, a series of realizations and education and talking to people, I realized uh, Peter Schiff said this really well. Was it Peter Schiff? Someone said recently, they said, uh, people think, people say, well, they wouldn't do that, right? The truth is, no, 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 you wouldn't do that. Yeah. And your inability to see that someone else views other humans as livestock is a lack of empathy in itself. Your inability to understand that someone else has an experience of the world themselves and other humans is different. When you say they wouldn't do that, do you think that in 1920s people said that about Hitler? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, he wouldn't do that. They definitely said that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And then what did he do? Right? <laughs> he did that. He did that. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so this is, this, is what, this is the struggle I see happening at the top, or we'll call it the top. And the best way to control a mass of people is to keep them confused. Mm-hmm. So one is lots of information. Also, make sure they're fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. So imagine that imagine that you're a slave owner in the South, you know, a couple hundred years ago, and you feel you think, oh, oh I got a hundred slaves, and uh, they're getting hip. They're getting hip that there's more of them than there is me, and like they all they have to do is make a choice one day and collectively make a choice, Mm. right? I can't have them talking too much to each other. So I need to put some of them in the house. You know, I need to have them. I need to make sure they stay separate. Uh, I need to minimize how much they can, they get private time without us watching. If I can create some conflict between them, that would be really good because if they're, if they're busy fighting, then they can't be, they can't, spend their time having a conversation about what's really happening. Yeah. They can't unify over their uh, similarities. They can fight over their differences instead. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what we have right now is uh, a lot of uh, stoking the flames around racism. Mm-hmm. We have now there's a lot of debate over whether you're vaccinated or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a huge fight over, I, I think the four-year election cycle is on purpose mm-hmm. uh, to, it's about every four years, everything explodes yeah. and people hate each other and stop talking and they just start telling. And people are fighting over, you know, who they think should be an authority and tell everyone else what to do, which is kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, what's happening in the world is uh, mass confusion and then also the shaping of a narrative. There is a, a narrative that's being created. And if you are a dissenter, if you are somebody who is counter to that narrative or even questions the narrative, I've watched a lot of I have friends that have been fucking taken off Instagram, off YouTube, had videos pulled down for just asking questions mm-hmm. or creating comedy about something. <laughs> they're not they're not spreading misinformation. They're just asking questions or they're pointing something out. And then some of the stuff that's being censored, it's like, yeah, I mean, they they shortened the conversation for the purpose of levity so they get a point across. They didn't dive deep into a subject to like give you all the nuance and then they're being, you know, censored for for not having a level of nuance. Mm. And that while you have all these other headlines from the media being blasted everywhere that has zero nuance, zero actual data, and creating a lot of fear. And it's uh, it's been interesting to watch. I had a hard year in 2020. I, I got very depressed about uh, I got depressed about humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, like realizing how programmable people are, and then also how aggressive they would get based on that programming. And so, you know, the conversation in my house is, you know, like, how do you get people to think for themselves? How do you get people to take a breath and actually read Mm -hmm. and actually listen to what's going on? Yeah. Because when all this stuff happened last year, I put myself in a place that was safe. And the conversation I had with myself is, I want to understand this. And when I said, I want to understand this, I had a follow-up conversation of, you do know, Mike, by saying that you want to understand this, you're about to put yourself through hell. Mm -hmm. And I go, I understand that by trying to understand this, that I'm going to put myself through hell because it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be emotionally taxing. It's going to Mm -hmm. be spiritually taxing. And what else am I going to do with my time? <laughs> we right? sure had a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we want to help people, if I really want to be helpful in the world, I have to understand what's happening. Mm. And a lot of what I've dropped on the show so far, some of these perspectives I, I was holding prior to 2020, and a lot of these perspectives got sharper. A lot of things shifted for me. I integrated a lot of knowledge I'd collected over the years. I've always been an economics nerd. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was studying economics and I, I was a weird kid. <laughs> and then like looking at economics and looking at health, I started, started studying big pharma deeply, history of vaccines, history of drug companies. I, don't, I was already privy to the history of government and the history of, uh, of economics and all this stuff. But I got deeper with those things. And then I started seeing the web. And I go, got it. This is, 
I can see the matrix. Um, and I'm not saying like, you know, like, uh, like I'm, I'm enlightened or anything like that. I'm just going, I can see what's happening. Mm-hmm. You can take an I objective can, look. I can see what's going to happen. I can see what is trying to be made. I can see the resistance to that. I can look at history and go, well, when this happened, this before, then this kind of thing happened then. Okay. And I've been right a lot mm. in the last, I would say the last six months. I'm like, oh, <laughs> got it. Timing, you know? Yeah. So there is a continuous shaping of the narrative. And one of the things that's really interesting, I know that your your audience is hip to the language game, mm-hmm. so we'll get this. The uh, have you ever read the book 1984? Uh, I have not yet, but I've heard great things about. It. Is that George Orwell? Yes. Yeah. And you don't have to have read the book for you to get this concept. So in the book, there is a high amount of propaganda. I mean, the whole the whole book's about how you control masses of people. It's about the dystopian future. And it was written, you know, 60, 70 years ago, and he was describing technology in the book that definitely exists today. In this dystopian future, what they do is every so often, they put out a new dictionary. And in this dictionary is the words that you're authorized to use. <laughs> and every version of this dictionary gets smaller. And so they start outlawing words. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You know why? When there's a lack of distinction, there's a lack of definition, there's a lack of clarity, it increases confusion and it makes it easier to control people. Mm-hmm. And people, consciousness is your perception. Your perception is made up of thoughts. And those thoughts are formed by words and, and uh, sentences and statements. And if we can reduce your consciousness by making your vocabulary smaller, we can control you. Mm-hmm. And then you add in the the fact that the words they, you know, quote unquote, allow you to use, right? Even you look at the English language, and I was nerding out about this the other day, how like, you know, we say, uh, good morning, right? But morning is what you do at a funeral, right? Weekend. Yep. It's a weekend, right? It's a week ending, right? All of these things that we say to one another that are spells, really. I mean, you know, as you are well aware of, that really are spells. I mean, abracadabra, you know, as I speak, I create, right? And uh, this is something that since I've become hip to it, it's been like, wow, like starting to really realize the vibrational resonance of what I'm putting out and what other people are putting out, what the quote unquote narrative is putting out, uh, what the news puts out, what is common to say, especially in Boston. It's like, hey, how you doing? Ah, you know, life sucks and you die. Ha ha ha. You know, and it's like, wow, man, is that the spell you want to be putting out? I mean, is that the spell that I wanted to put out for so long saying that? And so becoming consciously aware of those things has been a huge aha moment for me. And, you know, another thing on your point too, adding into all of that, the fact that on social media, a bunch of people who really aren't fit to argue, right, to have a discussion now are able to do that behind the guise of anonymity, right? And so therefore you have so much more hate being spewed when in the 80s, let's say, if someone came up to you and talked the way they did they uh, online, you know, these days, which is common, there would be a physical confrontation. Right. And they you get they punched had, in the face. Exactly. Well, <laughs> exactly. well, here's the thing. This is what this is what technology is doing um, is it's diffusing cause and effect. Mm. So what exactly what you're talking about in the 80s, the the cause and effect was instant. <laughs> yeah. right? 
Like, <laughs> oh, I said that, and then I got fucked up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I won't say that again. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll so, learn how to fight. <laughs> with technology, people all don't realize they're not experiencing their karma quick enough to learn, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you have these people who are anonymous and spewing bullshit, and it's we're incurring collective karma over that. Mm. It's hurting the human population, but they don't know that because they're not experiencing it themselves. They they've diffused it onto others, and it takes longer. So it's not an instant thing. So what we have is through the use of social media, we've diffused responsibility and made it harder to know the truth mm. because the truth will punch you in the face, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, look at the rules of nature, right? If you don't like uh, run with the rules of nature, nature will punch you in the face, right? Exactly. Straight up. So cause and effect exactly. once again. Yeah. 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 And, you know, one of the things I'd love to chat about here uh, to bring oh, by it By the way, I want to oh, yeah. drop one thing on please, you around language. Please. All right. So have you heard that uh, in the Arabic language, they've, they've gotten the closest to being able to, to uh, describe God? I wasn't aware of that, no. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things is the Arab people who speak the Arabic language, they, they've, they've gotten closest to being able to use language to describe God, which we know we can't do. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how many words there are in Arabic? How, how broad the vocabulary is? 12.5 million words. Wow. You know how many English words there are? How many? About 150,000. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to talk about 1984, right? Making the dictionary smaller. You know? Yeah. I've heard uh, a lot, actually, from Mark, and I imagine uh, I heard it from you as well on some of the um, uh, podcasts I've heard you on, about how really there is like this this uh, theory about how the English language was created to imprison people, right? And, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, conspiracy theorists, because again, once again, when you don't agree with someone, you can just throw them into some category now, and it diffuses all your responsibility to look deeper into it. But really... As I've learned more about it, and actually, especially the times I've been on psychedelics, when I've been so far out that I've actually like said a word so many times that it doesn't even sound like what it originally was. And I mean, you can do that in normal consciousness. If you say a word 10 times, by the 10th time, you're like, is this even a real word? Am I saying this correctly? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah. you know, the vibrational resonance of a lot of these words, like don't, right? It like feels like the vibrational energy stops, right? It's literally getting held up by these consonant sounds. And so regardless of what the the quote-unquote truth is on that uh it is very interesting and it's something that i've felt the resonance of when i've been uh expanding my consciousness and so for whatever that's worth you know it's been very interesting to me yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so one of the things i wanted to chat about quickly before we wrap up here is what to do with all this information right so you know we have all these things going on we have uh people that are genuinely interested in finding out quote-unquote the truth right and we have some other people who aren't but we'll talk about the people who are for a uh, sake of conversation. And, you know, one of the pieces of advice you gave me once helped me a lot. And so rather than saying it, I would like to bring it back up and have you chat a little bit about it, which was how do we know who to pay attention to? Right. And like, you know, how do we know who to trust as quote unquote an authority or just someone that we can look up to for guidance? How do we go about discerning in our reality who is actually like doing the work and saying what they really mean and who is just a bullshit artist? How do we go about doing that? Look at the results. Boom. And results over time. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I find it fascinating that people will keep listening to someone who's continued to be wrong. 
right? Yes. And who has got a terrible track record. You know, Dr. Fauci is one of these. If you look at his track record, it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Responsible for killing a lot of people with AIDS. Yeah. Right. And so his track record with AIDS was poor. And now he's in charge of telling everybody about this COVID thing, <laughs> which, by the way, looks there's a part of that virus that looks a lot like AIDS. So I'll just leave that. You guys do whatever you want with that. So yeah. it looks like HIV. So um, there's some speculation that uh, it was being worked within a lab to uh, to get rid of AIDS, actually. Hmm. Someone fucked up. And uh, so, <laughs> but you look at the results and the results over time, you know, and I really encourage you not to judge people on their past. You know, that was back in the 80s for him. But you keep looking at the data, right? But there's... Yeah, look at the results. And are they able to embody it themselves? Right? This is why everyone likes Paul Check so much, yep. who is in touch with reality. Is because, yeah, I might have a doctor who's really smart, but is he getting results for his clients? And does he get the results for himself? Usually not. Mm-hmm. Most doctors aren't. So nothing beats results. Results, mm-hmm. results, 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 results all day. And I mean, if you look at my results from in the past and you only judge me on that, yeah, it wouldn't be pretty. But you can, you can look at someone's trajectory and go, okay, they're getting results. Yeah, they're, they're getting, getting the results they want and they're getting results for other people. And so, you know, I, I made a comment last year where I go something online. I was like, well, the healthcare system isn't working. And they go, well, what about it's not working? I was like, I don't have to know why it's not working. <laughs> what I do know is I'm looking at the fucking results. Yeah. Look at America. <laughs> yeah. The results of the way that Americans live their life, which is informed by, you know, was informed by like by food pyramid. It was, it's, it's Dr. Oz. To by the food, yeah. the education, all of this stuff. It's created a poor result. Mm-hmm. Stop doing it. Stop listening to those people. The people that have made was it, over half of Americans are obese. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fucked up. They're sick. Mm-hmm. Look at the results. And wake the fuck up. Absolutely, dude. And just because somebody sounds smart or they're wearing a lab coat or they're wearing a suit and tie and standing behind a podium does not make them credible. Yeah. Right? Look at the results that they've gotten over time. And the thing is, is people refuse to look at results because it takes work. You actually have to stop what you're doing and look at the results of the people you're listening to. Mm-hmm which is going to require something that people are terrified of and that is being wrong. Mm, yes. <laughs> and you can tell that people are terrified about being wrong because how many times have you been in an argument where neither person could be wrong? People fucking never talk to each other again. People kill each other over both people think they're right, mm-hmm. which means that either one of them is wrong or both of them is wrong. That means that people will fucking die to be right, even when they're wrong. Yeah. And so this is why people do not critically think. Because if you start critically thinking and you start being critical of the information that you once believed to be true and then went out and told other people was true, now you have to admit to yourself that you're wrong, which is hard enough. Mm-hmm. But then you have to go out and tell other people that you were wrong too. That ain't happen. Most people won't, don't have the fucking balls to do that. Mm-hmm. That takes real courage. And what we have right now is a lot of soft people. Mm. They don't even want to go look 
because they're afraid that they're going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so whatever narrative gets set and gets some momentum, it's going to take a lot of work, right? It's going to take a lot of work. Look at science. You know, they say that science doesn't change when new discoveries are made. It changes when the last scientist dies and uh, no longer is his ego entrenched in the work he's done for a lifetime that he th- therefore, uh, you know, surmises is, is worthless, quote unquote, if he admits he's wrong. When really, I mean, that's just evolution, right? Like evolution is we are going to get things wrong and it doesn't necessarily mean that person didn't do extremely good work. It's they got us to that point and now we have better information. And when you look around, yeah, you know, we could dive into, I mean, the fact that human beings uh, were never taught the nature of the mind. And so therefore, they uh, identify with their identity, uh, their ego. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, uh, they don't understand the complex that is making them feel so uneasy with being right, because it challenges their their identity, their whole entire life, right? When in reality, our ego, our identity in this world, our Mike, our Ryan, is really just an aspect of us. And it is not all of us. And in Intellect is not meant to be a uh, fixed thing. You know, it's meant to be ever evolving. And that's something that has helped me a lot because, you know, I have believed many things that have not ended up being right. And because I was quicker to say, all right, I was wrong and just move forward, I've been able to correct that. And also the people that maybe I told things to that uh, I believed in that time now trust me more because I was like, hey, I fucked up. And now check this out. This is what I found up until this point. And uh, it definitely gives you a degree of humbleness, you know, when you can admit you're wrong, because that way, that's when you can have a discussion, you know, because your ego is not entrenched in needing to be right. So if someone brings evidence to you that, you know, is contrary to what you believe and you look it up and research supports it, you two can then work together to then uh, move forward in whatever subject you're discussing, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. I always say, um, you can either choose humility or you can be humbled. Yes. It's happening either way. Yes. It's happening either way. Yes. You can either just admit that you're wrong or you can get your ass kicked at some point. Yeah, yeah. dude. I 100% agree with that. And uh, Mike, this has been an absolute blast having you on to share your journey and wisdom with the listeners. And uh, dude, we could literally go for three more hours on this. But for sake of the second podcast, we're going to do uh, where can I send people to find you, learn more about Strong Coach and hear the Bledsoe show. Right on. My Instagram is Mike underscore Bledsoe. So you can scope me out there. And uh, the Strong Coach, I, uh, I teach coaches how to build coaching businesses. You know, it's it's two part. It's uh, I started the company to teach coaches better communication, leadership, things like that. Then I discovered, oh, if they want to have clients, they got to learn business too. Let's go, let's mm-hmm. go. Because I used to do primarily that. So really focused on helping coaches build out their coaching businesses and be able to get their clients better results. You know, twofold. So not just the marketing, it's also how do we create programs that get results because just as I was saying, it's about the results. If you're not getting the results, then what are you doing? It's just mental masturbation otherwise. That's right. Like obsess over it. Obsess over the results. Yeah. So uh, thestrongcoach.com and also the Instagram is at thestrongcoach for that. We have the Strong Coach Podcast. The Bledsoe Show is actually... uh, I uh, I haven't done a show since November. Oh, damn, man. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm bringing it back or not. Yeah. I'm going to start contributing to the Strong Coach podcast nice. along with Danny and uh, Ben. 
but that that show's going as well so that's awesome man if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life what would mike blood so suggest that change be the most important thing for people to do is to be very cautious and discerning about who they spend time with. Mm. So your environment, the environment of people that you're hanging out with, because your mind will harmonize with their minds. And uh, the, the famous quote of you're the average of the five people you hang out with most. You hear it a lot. And if you're hanging around me and my friends, you're definitely going to hear it a lot yeah. because it's so true. All the other habits, all the other things that will stem from that will be life-changing. And uh, relationships themselves are so fantastic. <laughs> I love that. And guys, believe me when I say I have got to share a lot of space with Mike and countless people that have gone through Strong Coach and they are all crushing it. If you're a coach listening, stop wasting your time, make some money, reach out to Mike and do the thing. Because honestly, like Mike said, results are where it's at. And, you know, believe me when I say I was beyond excited to get Mike on the show, as like I said, I've been following him for quite some time. To say he has been an inspiration in my journey would be a huge understatement. And he is an absolute wealth of info pertaining to fitness, business, consciousness, life philosophies, and so much more. Trust me when I say that we barely even scratched the surface of how deep his experience in 4D reality has gone. So to everyone listening to this right now, do yourselves a big favor and give him a follow. Reach out to him when you're ready to bring your human experience to the next level. And Mike, my brother, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And until next time, journey well, be well. Much love to you, brother. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, 
Once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show and I'm wishing you the best day ever.